I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Online, on your mobile, and on FM. From the home of time, this is Maritime Radio Greenwich. to October and I've already run out of funny things to say about Cholton. It's just getting more depressing and more depressing as we go on. So good evening to you and welcome to Cholton Live here on Maritime Radio. Uh, this is Louis Mendes here, live at the Valley. We happily, we have gone ahead. It's bang on 7pm because uh, the, the bus has got Tom Wall in here on time. How are you doing, Tom? Just about, yeah, I'm good, thanks, Louis. How are yeah. you? Uh, I've, I've been better, I've been better, to yeah. be honest. It's, it's getting to the stage now where uh, coming in to do the show after a, after a disappointing performance is, you know, it's, it's been the norm now for a couple of years, but it's getting more and more frustrating uh, to do. But that's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to look back at yesterday's 1-0 uh, defeat here at the Valley against Rochdale we're going to hear from Russell Slade and we want to hear from you guys as well you guys are setting the agenda tonight here on Charlton Live on Maritime Radio get your emails in studio at charltonlive.co.uk you can tweet us at Charlton Live let us know what you've made of yesterday's 1-0 defeat here at the Valley against Rochdale and uh, Tom I mean just just a very briefly what did, what, what did you and your granddad make of that one? Uh, 
Well, it was better than Tuesday, <laughs> but <laughs> we've still lost. Um, and so my my real feeling coming away from the game was we didn't play anywhere near as badly. We created chances, and we've still lost. We've got the British experience we asked for in terms of management and players, and we still lost. Um, and it's the first time I've come away from a game, and I'm really worried because I don't really know what else we can do to turn this around now. So, yeah, concern, I think, is my, my overall feeling. Concerned. Tom Wallen, concerned after yesterday's 1-0 uh, defeat against Russia. Let's, let's listen back to, to how that, that game transpired. Terry Smith uh, manned up on his own yesterday, one-man commentary performance on CFC players. This is Terry Smith's highlights of yesterday's uh, defeat to Rochdale. Infield to Cross, who's come short. Cross now in the centre circle. Ball into Lookman in the... Rochdale half, McGuinness is in front of him, he tried to pick McGuinness up but he might get back on his own ricochet, Lookman he's in the penalty area, takes a shot, oh, down to the uh, right hand side of Josh Lillis who managed to get down, probably wasn't enough force on the shot, but Charlton's first meaningful attack of the half, swing this out right footed, and it comes and it's uh, Andrew with a uh, head up, he was being uh, hassled by Bauer but he got his head to it anyway, and he went comfortably wide right of the Charlton right hand post, and there is a distinct possibility we might have a shot here. Maybe Jackson will touch it into McGuinness's path. He has. McGuinness takes it. Takes a shot. Oh, it was a decent height. Only just, I say just, it could only have been a yard, less than a yard wide of the right-hand post. But a decent height and would have troubled Lillis had it been on target. And Rafferty throws down the line into Andrew. Chests the ball into Davis. Davis looks for Thompson on the opposite side. And that's good defending by Foley. But the ball's only back out to Lund. Lund finds Bunny corner of the Charlton penalty area taken on Holmes gets past him as well into the box across it goes fizzes across and headed in at the back post by Andrew on his own it took a wicked deflection after Bunny had got past Ricky Holmes and as it fizzed across into the six yard box and see who it came off maybe Foley deflected the ball up in the air and passed any red shirt and there was Calvin Andrew pretty much all on his own the far stick in the six yard box to give Rochdale the lead Allen finds uh, Andrew on the left goes past Fox and now attacking down the Charlton left hand side ball infield to Thompson in the penalty area it's going to come back to Thompson from Rexshay great save from Rudd squirming around the six yard box and needed Jason Pierce to just hit it out of play and F- Barham Foley having a right go at each other in the uh, in the six-yard box. They're saying one of them should have cleared it. Releases this, or he does it even before so. And there is the reaction from the Charlton crowd. Not happy and understandably so. Ball is knocked forward by Rochdale, intercepted by Fox. Crossing gives the ball straight to Davis, trying to get it back, and it's uh, dropped to Andrew. Takes a shot, and it needs Rudd to make the saver down to his right-hand side. Run through to Andrew, but uh, he's given the ball straight to Wolverstad. Little ball into Holmes in the centre circle. He'll turn Holmes. He'll go running at Bunny. Goes past Bunny to the edge of the penalty area. Goes into the penalty area and it's upended. Surely that's a penalty. Yes, it is. Charlton from having no penalties for what seemed like an eternity and they had two in two weeks. And Johnny Jackson will step up. Whistle blows. Takes it left footed. The keeper saves it. But McGuinness is there. Saved again. It'll drop to Luckman. Luckman edge of the six-yard box. Gets the ball across straight into the arms of Lillis. And Johnny Jackson is screaming at himself. And Charlton's opportunity to get back into the game. Snuffed out. 
Two Charlton players in that wall. Bauer and uh, Fox as uh, Lookman in his right footed, just over the bar. Decent strike, but he couldn't get it up and over, up and under, I should say. Rochdale half going on a run, Holmes again, left side. Takes on one, takes on two, gets the ball in the box. Again, King gets something on it, but it'll drop to a Jose this time. A Jose chip ball to the far post. Foley's there, gets the header back across. Won't drop to Novak. It'll drop to Fox. Oh, what a save! On the right-hand side from Lewis with his right hand. Just claws it away from... To stop Charlton getting back on level terms. Everybody's staying forward now for Charlton, bar Foley. Overstead making his way forward as well. And Rochdale, with apart from... Well, Lucy who's in front of the free kick with everybody back. Ball into the penalty area. Bauer will challenge. Lillis comes, punches, drops to Novak, takes the shot. Oh, cleared away by Keane. Is that a handball? Nothing given. Bataka will chip it back into the box. Intercepted by Lund for another Charlton corner. Charlton staring down the barrel of a defeat. Second defeat at home. And there is the final whistle. And there are the boos. As Charlton succumbed to a defeat to Rochdale. So there you have it, the highlights yesterday of uh, yesterday's game from uh, from Terry Smith as he talks us through another uh, disappointing defeat. As you say, Tom, if, if, if <laughs> it felt like an improvement in terms of performance from the Oldham game where you, you couldn't sink any lower, but you know this is a results business now. We're getting to that, that stage of the season where it's, it's all well and good saying that we're we're creating and we're, and we're not we're not taking chances or final ball ever. But if you, if you're going to be a top six team, then surely you should be starting to do that by now. Definitely, yeah. As you say, it's um. It, it was an improvement, but it was an improvement on our worst performance of the season. Um, and it's, yeah, as you say, it's still not good enough for a team that wants to be challenging for, for promotion this season. It's, um, you know, it was, a, it was a good performance for a team that's mid-table in League One, which is where we are. But we're, we're aspiring to be better and we need to be, Slade said it himself, that those decisions in the final third weren't good enough. Because I think, aside from that goal, Rochdale really threatened, didn't threaten that much and... Whilst it felt, I don't know the stats necessarily, but it felt like we had the better possession and we had the the more chances. We didn't really test their goalkeeper enough, um, and and that's the problem. And you know, we've said it plenty of times. And when we go into the game in detail, there's been one or two chances in the last four or five games that could have swung games our way. But if we're going to try and go up this season, we can't be relying on those little things. We need to be taking games by the scruff of the neck and winning them more comfortably. And we just can't do that at the minute. Yeah, you're quite right. We did. Uh, we did have the majority of the possession, fifty-one percent. Oh, there you go. Compared See, dominated compared to forty-nine. <laughs> I mean, you know, at, at the start of the season, people were talking about. We, we look at fixtures like Rochdale and, and fixtures like Oldham, and, and think these are games that we'd expect to get points from. And, and obviously, you can't go in with that mentality that you expect to get points from. But you've got to expect to play to at least be dominating teams like that. And you know, we didn't do that against Oldham. I think we, we probably shaded, the, like I say, we shaded possession and shaded chances against Rochdale. But in terms of clear-cut chances, probably quite even. And, and like I say, we didn't really look like taking one. No, it's it's that final final bit that's the problem. I think our midfield does look does look fairly soft still. Um, I think on the whole, the defence are OK. I mean, we'll talk about their goal again in more detail, but it was it was a lucky deflection. He was unmarked at the back post and... And it did come from from home sloppiness in midfield, but aside from that, they didn't they didn't create a huge amount. I didn't think, but as I say, we're we're talking about this like you know it could have swung this way, it could have swung that. We we can't be affording to do that anyway. We need to be we need to be dominating these teams. And again, okay, Rochdale were below us, but they had won three on the bounce, so you can look at that slightly differently. But against Oldham on Tuesday, there was absolutely no excuse for it because that's the sort of game that we have to go and win and. 
it's it's so frustrating and as i say i'm just kind of i'm a bit lost because i don't i don't know what it's going to take to turn it around even even when we went to 442 in the second half which is again what the fans were calling for and Pataka finally came on which i was pleased to see and had a pretty good influence for the short time he was on and it, but we still didn't really get anywhere near testing the keeper even then do you think that's a fair question about the lineup at home i've seen a lot of fans questioning about it on twitter you know as, as a mm. home team you know it's, it, we, we should consider ourselves a big a, a, a fancy team in this yeah. league that's how that's how we should have set our stall out at the start of the season does that mean we should be more more likely with four four two at the start i mean russell obviously sees the players day in day out in training mm. so the fans being harsh saying that oh you know he's got a start he's got a start you know uh, are we are we right to question uh, that I, I still don't understand why bataka's not getting a start so from personnel point of view that's frustrating um uh it's difficult and i'll probably come in for criticism here but when their goal went in i actually thought that for the first i think it was 28 29 minutes we had looked okay in that formation I thought McGuinness's headers on the whole were falling to either Holmes or Lookman, so the wide players were working well as a 4-5-1, then 4-3-3. However, when the goal went in and our confidence dropped, that threat was completely nullified. Um, and also, I do understand why people want 4-4-2 from the start, because when we did start to change it like that, we had that more attacking threat, but... What concerned me in that second half at the same time, having said that, is some of the players didn't really look like they knew what they were doing when we went to four four two, and you see, we didn't use a Jose anywhere near the way we should have done. And I know they were only in that formation and he was only on for a brief amount of time, but we we just didn't use him right. And I'm wondering whether Slade's choosing that four five one because that's what he's trained during pre-season, and at the moment the players can't really adapt to that other formation. But yeah, whichever the two formations we go for, whether it is four five one that changes to four three three or four four two, we need to be more attacking. And I completely understand why fans yesterday were saying it was more four five one and very little four three three because that's certainly how it appeared. Uh, it was it was so important that we reacted to that game against uh, that performance against Oldham on yeah. Tuesday night, and then you know I'm I, I writing down and looking at my notes from yesterday. First ten minutes, we we saw a couple of half chances. Holmes with a shot blocked. Lookman getting into the air and having a shot blocked. We heard that we heard that one on the highlights. I mean, yeah, there, there was there was an increase in the performance from from Tuesday, and that that does need to be noted. Yeah, as I say, it was certainly better. It was better than Tuesday, but that's better than the, our worst performance of the season. So possibly our worst performance of a very long yeah, time. Yeah, so it depends how you choose to compare it really um, for a mid-table team which we are at the moment coming off our worst performance of the season which we've done it's not a bad performance but for a team that's just dropped down a division with apparently a, a top six budget and with players that are proven goal scorers in this league it's not a good result and it's just not good enough and and that was really the, the big issue for me yesterday is for a side that wants to finish in the top two we just didn't do enough yeah so the, the goal when it came uh, Ricky Holmes beaten to is a bit of a deflection on the cross, and there's Calvin Andrew. Right? <laughs> he's a player who's, who's been around South London football for a while. Actually, he used to play for Palace, and I think he had a stint at Millwall as well. I'm, I've always marked him out as one of the worst players I've ever seen. I remember seeing him play <laughs> in a friendly against Bromley, but he scores. You know, and like you say, questions over the defending for the goal, perhaps, and then a little bit, yeah. Because as I say, Holmes obviously it was a bit sloppy to lose it in the first place, and then. We actually closed down the winger fairly well, but then it was good skill to get to the byline and get that cross in, but it was a, then a lucky deflection. Mm. But then at the back post, Andrews had nobody on him, and you've got to put question marks over that side of the goal because it was such a simple header for him, and Rudd scrambling back obviously wasn't going to get near it, and and that was disappointing. But um, yeah, as I say, 
I think Rudd made a good save, was it, in the second half. Uh, but aside from that, they, they just didn't really create a huge amount. And it's just it, it's just so frustrating. And as I say, I don't... I'm starting to wonder. I was talking with people on, on Twitter yesterday about it because people are obviously concerned about Slade and, and what he offers us. But if that's the road, road that we go down, who do we get instead, you know? It's mm. not like a managerial change is necessarily going to make anything better either. And I... I didn't expect us to walk this league, but I thought we would have started better than we are. And the fact that we haven't, I'm I'm worried. I'm uh, I'm just going to play you the interview with Russell Slade after yesterday's game. We'll, we'll come back and talk about the rest of the game in a moment. But I've got to sort out some keys outside the studio with someone. So I'm gonna, uh, Russell Slade was kind enough to come in and speak to Terry after yesterday's game. This is what Russell had to say. Joined in the studio uh, by Russell Slade after Russell, what uh, ultimately a disappointing, hugely frustrating afternoon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Look, it it wasn't um, the poor performance in terms of performance that we put in on Tuesday, but um, it, look, it's a result-driven business, and um, you know, if if you're not if you're not scoring goals, then you're not picking up the the points necessary, um, and that was the case today. And we made life difficult with 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 not defending well enough to allow them to go in front. Um, we had opportunities to come back. Notably, just after half time, but we didn't we didn't take that opportunity. We, our attitude was decent enough to keep going at it, and we often we puffed, and we still you know n- need to be better, more ruthless, and better decisions in and around the final third. We had <clears throat> you mentioned before we had opportunities, um, s- several created uh, um, by ourselves. Some running up players, um, Adam Oler had, 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 had his uh, had his moments. So did Ricky. Um, <clears throat> but as you say, it's just that either final ball or decision making process. Yeah. Had, yeah. Uh, how do you go about trying to ch- trying to change that? Must be uh, must be a tough one. M- more work really, and more repetition on on giving them those situations um, in training, and then. What happens is once once it happens once or twice, then in games because it's then transferring that to the games. You can do all the work in the world on the training ground, but then you've got to transfer it to the games. And once um, a bit of confidence from a goal, um, you, you, you know you can move forward fairly quickly. I, I, I honestly believe if we'd have got that goal just after half time, I honestly believe we'd have gone on and won the game. That's how I felt. The players knew we had time to do something about it. We had a good start to the second half and we had the ideal opportunity to peg that back and and, 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 uh, move forward with the game. Uh, So you think the penalty miss is fairly pivotal in in the end result? Yeah, of course, when you're 1-0 down at home. yeah. But hey, look, it happens. It happens. And, um, you know, you you just have to... um, Adjust again and, and 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 go again. We you know we had a second opportunity from the following. To be honest, Josh nearly finishes, but the keeper makes a uh, a save. And we've had opportunities in that second half. But we need to be creating more from the positions we're in. That's what I'm saying. Is um, we're doing that, and statistically we do get the ball into the 18-yard box and in and around there. But we um, we don't always make the best decisions or the clever decisions to either set somebody up or take the shot on themselves. Are we in a position as a side whereby, um, because of that uh, mentality of, of, of knowing we're um, struggling to, to put the ball in the back of the net often enough, um, when we do go a goal behind, 
is there, you know, is there that uh, sort of cloud of gloom uh, amongst us that thinks we're not going to get back in this? No, I don't think so. I thought, I thought you saw that reaction. We were a goal down. I don't know how many minutes, twenty odd minutes, twenty five minutes, twenty five minutes. Yeah, uh, and and the res- we responded within five minutes of the second half. Um, you know, with an opportunity to to level. Um, thought there was a response generally. As I say, thought we huffed and puffed at times in the second period, didn't always have that fluency, um, and then rallied again in the last 10 minutes where we put them under a lot of pressure with in terms of balls going in their box from corners, and obviously we were very direct towards the end in an effort with Piercy up front as well to try and get something out of the game. We've got uh, Tuesday, uh, the Checker Trade Trophy. Are you, are you going to look to maybe experiment a little bit uh, for that game? To yeah, see there'll, if it there'll be a change few up? changes. There'll be a few changes for sure. Um, we lose a couple to international duty after today as well, so um, there'll be a few forced ones, but forced changes. But also um, with that trophy, you've got to, you've got to have um, a certain amount of players anyway um, that, that are playing regular in that group. But uh, we will make changes with um, with what's happened, and, and you know <clears throat> we were looking for a response. You were looking for a response um, after after the, the the Tuesday night game. Um, and we've now got a week off. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? No, not not really, because I think you, you eagerly want to try and rescue that and, um, and 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 get that positive result. But it is what it is, and we'll have to use that time in a positive way to ensure that you know we cover a few things and we're ready to go and we're prepared for the next uh, home game, which I think is Coventry. Coventry, yeah, uh, Saturday week. Well, I appreciate you coming in, Russell. It can't be, okay. can't be easy to, to face press after, after a tough result like that, but I uh, appreciate it anyway, and uh, good luck with Tuesday, and then uh, back here at Coventry. OK, thank you. Appreciate it, thank you. He's gone for it, you know. Oh, what a goal! Oh, what a goal by Armakashi! Oh, that's almost at the halfway line. Unbelievable strike! That is outrageous. Right-footed. Well, he saw Armak off his line. What a goal! Live. So welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. Slow, uh, show is slightly out of order today because uh, uh, I just had to uh, let the Nepalese community out. They've been using the uh, Valley Central today. Nepalese community, great bunch of lads. They've given me and Tom a diet can, a diet coke each. Tom is currently uh, tucking, into, yeah, tucking into his. Uh, but yeah, that was Russell Slade after yesterday's defeat. Um, let, let's, let's, let's talk about Russell Slade's reaction so far. I mean, he um, he, he said there and uh, that he, he felt he felt if that penalty goes in, he felt it would have been a different game. And he's probably right. Um, but as I said earlier in the show, we, we, if we're going to be one of those sides that wants to or has ambitions of those either winning the league or certainly going up, we we can't be relying on that, you know. So if we go back as far as Wimbledon, obviously we threw that away from one nil up. Scunthorpe, Jacko hit the post towards the end Oxford McGuinness had that header um, Oldham Lookman hit the bar and on Saturday uh, yesterday Jackson had his penalty all chances to take more points from all of those games than we have 
I, clearly the luck's not on our side in terms of those chances but at the same time we can't just be relying on one or two things we need to be as I say dictating play and running games and with confidence so low at the moment, we're, we're not able to do that. So, because yeah. every time, every time you can you come out and say, "Oh, you know, if that penalty goes in, if that one that hits the bar goes in," you come out and say yesterday that you know, Joe Thompson had that one on one not long after they got the first, yeah. which uh, between Rudd and Pierce, they just about scrambled off the line. Only just got away with, yeah. So, uh, he, as I say, he probably is right because uh, we did rally f- towards the end of that game. We we did play better, um, but uh, we can't be relying on that. We we just can't. It's it's not good enough for for what we expect, and that's why that's why the fans are not happy. Seb Lewis agrees with Russell Slade. He says, "I reckon Russ is right that we would have probably won it had it not been for the keeper's glove with the penalty." And so right, let, let's get back onto the game. So after the uh, uh, the goal goes in, and so we just see that that chance from Joe Thompson. That that's when you see heads drop. And I mm. think Terry asked in the interview there, perhaps because we're not scoring so many. As soon as we get one behind, then perhaps the confidence levels really start to drain out of the team. Mm, definitely, definitely, because. I had a few people on Twitter after the game kind of laughing at one of the things I said, which was, I think I tweeted it just as the goal went in, that we, uh, for me we'd looked like the better side and we'd certainly looked a lot better than Tuesday. And then when I went back, I said, to be fair, I put that out straight after the goal because 15 minutes later, it was a completely different story. When we went off at half-time, we hadn't really created anything extra. Um, Watchdale had grown into the game and grown in confidence from that goal. And yeah, we, we looked like we were in real trouble and... Uh, and again, uh, I don't blame the fans at all for their reaction to the goal. But when you've got a crowd, you know, booing and shouting, and that chance that nearly goes in is obviously maddening for fans who are expecting their team to perform well. And the whole atmosphere that that then comes about, and as I say, it's through no fault of the fans at all. I completely understand why they're doing it. It just makes it very difficult. And you see that other teams, it's the same last season and the season before, other teams are going to start to enjoy coming here because... It's a difficult place for the players to play at home, especially when they're low on confidence, and they've got to take their share of that because they need to be putting on a show, and McGuinness said it after Tuesday, and should be doing better than they are. So, as I say, this is not a criticism of the fans at all, but at the same time, it can't be easy to, to deal with that. Well, it's one of those things now where, where you're the, you're, you are signed for the, one of the bigger clubs in the division, you're exactly. going to play in front of a bigger home crowd, you have to understand there's going to be pressure to perform, and if you haven't performed, you know, if, if the season had started differently when it wasn't that pressure, if... if uh, no, obviously we, we lost at Berry. We came out and got a reasonable draw with Northampton in the end. Then we beat Shrewsbury. If that form had continued, there wouldn't be that pressure at the Valley. So it's, I think it's yeah. quite clear for me which way the chicken and the egg comes uh, in. Absolutely, this one, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I guess that's my point. As I say, I'm not I'm not here to criticise the fans at all because because that point of view is completely justified. You know, we we came into this league. As I say, I don't know how many fans expected to to walk it, but I think we majority of us expected or hoped to be doing better than we are now. And so, we, you know, fans are here. We demand better, better than we're getting at the moment. And you know, Russell says in his his press conferences, and he says it again and again and again that we need to work harder. But I don't really understand what that means because they should be working at their absolute maximum in training anyway. So it's not a question of working harder. It's about figuring out what's going wrong and putting that right. And he's got to take his share of that because I think tactically maybe he hasn't got things quite right as I say the 4-5-1 for me was working up until that goal but after that as soon as our heads dropped he needed to make change something up and he didn't seem to be proactive enough to do that and the players have got to take their share of the blame because as you say they've come to a club that are hoping to challenge and we're not doing that and that's got to be their fault because they're the ones at the end of the day that are playing the football 
Started uh, started the second half. We saw we, we saw before we even got the penalty. We saw another chance for Calvin Andrew. He had a shot. So that's from within the first 15, 20 seconds of the second half that, that stung the palms of a of Declan Rubb. And then we see we see one of those runs from Ricky Holmes that we've seen uh, at times throughout the season. I, I still think. Apart from maybe maybe Adam Lookman when he's on his game, when when Ricky Holmes is is running with the ball at feet, then he he looks like our most dangerous player who's going to be able to create something out of nothing, and he wins that that penalty. And um, I mean that, that's a huge chance. And you know Jack, Jacko had his problems with penalties in in the last three or four years where he, where he missed a few and then he mm. wasn't put on one for a while. Took the one against Oxford, placed it down the middle. Um, we we surprised he's surprised to see him back on penalty duty after that that little run he had a couple of years mm. ago. Not really, no, because he is the captain. He's going to take that that responsibility because I think he knows, uh, particularly when we're 1-0 down and, and the crowd are on their backs and they're struggling, I think he wants to step up and lead, for example, and put that penalty away and really get the crowd going again. And I think he also knows that a Johnny Jackson goal, more than anything, is going to turn this crowd and get them back on side. But going back to Holmes, I think it's it's no surprise to me that a game where Lookman starts on the other side, Holmes was able to make much more of those runs. Okay, they weren't so successful yesterday as they have been in the past, but you go back to the Oldham game and, and other games he's played recently, but and he hasn't really been able to make those runs because he's been a target. And um, this time, you know, he had old, him one side and Lookman the other, and he was able to run at, at the defence a lot more, and he did well to win the penalty, but so frustrating and it wasn't I've just looked back at the video I took of it it's it's not a bad penalty it's a good save but it's another guilt edge chance you you just need to put it away and the way he was running up it looked like he was going to hammer it down the middle as well so I don't know if it was a last minute change of mind but what you saw saw his reaction I'm sure as he walked off the pitch he could barely applaud the fans he was clearly gutted so yeah just another frustrating thing but as i say we can't we can't be relying on a jacko penalty to get back into a game like that so we saw the substitute cross for a jose so we went 442 after 64 minutes do you think we should have gone there before i mean yeah. yeah yeah i do as i say i think there would have been when i saw the 451 originally uh, i was okay with it i would have also been happy to see 442 at the start um but after the goal went in and we our confidence dropped you you have to change something and and it clearly wasn't working and our midfield three of Cross, Jackson and Olverstad were dropping deeper and deeper and letting Rochdale come at us and, and play higher up the pitch and that's for me that's the time when Slade excuse me, has to turn it around and I think um, you know with some of the other managers we've had over the last two or three years I can't remember if it was Riga who used to make quite a lot of half-time substitutions um, and we needed to be more active because you know, with half an hour to go, it's more about well, let's throw him on and see what he can do, as opposed to you've got time here to really get yourself into the game, and and that was frustrating because it's not going to help a Jose's confidence, and it's it's not really it's got less time to influence the game. Even after we went we went to that four four two, and Novak came on for McGuinness, seventy two minutes. I was still still looking at my notes in terms of real clear cut opportunities. I don't think we had one until ten minutes from the end when when that ball fell to Morgan Fox. Yeah, uh, and then then we're bringing on Jordan Botarka, and he's a player that um, plenty of people have been wondering why he's not getting more time. And we saw what he did at the DR Congo. We saw we saw what he's done when he's come on, but he always seems to come on with this with this like ten minutes left to go where where he's had you know li- lively spells for us. I mean, yeah. Do 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 you think like? There must be some reason why it's not coming on earlier. There has to be. There has to be because that first game aside, was it was it the Wimbledon game where he first came on? Yeah, he played against someone where he looked terrible. Yeah, and he really struggled. Um, aside from that, he's looked he's looked really really good, and he he's a bit of a maverick. You're never quite sure what's going to happen, but he's 
more often than not in the last few games he's come on beaten his man he's got that chance he had where he got down to the byline and probably should have squared it for a Jose it was fantastic skill to get down there in the first place and I think uh, probably if we were a side that had won a couple more games and we were higher up the table Slade would be much more happy to to introduce him either earlier or even start him in some games but I wonder whether and this is something that a lot of fans are coming back to Slade's uh, perhaps not negative but defensive mentality is perhaps well I know I'm a bit more safe with Holmes and, and Lookman I'm going to start with them and he's perhaps not prepared to gamble on him but it's frustrating because as you say when he comes on he, he looks like he can be a game changer and he's just not being given enough time to be allowed to do that yeah, is, is it nitpicking to say, oh, why doesn't he come for 20 minutes? Why do he come for 25 minutes? It's have, yeah. Just to have that little bit of a longer run. I mean, the only thing, we, we don't know what he trains like. We don't know how no. fit he is. You know, we don't, we, these are the things we don't know. I sort of asked, I, I sort of tried to ask Russell in the um, in, in the BBC London interview yesterday if, if, if the players, the likes of a Jose Novak and Botaco are going to be pushing for starts. I didn't really answer that. Mm. But, you know, uh, could you pick fans? <laughs> a lot of fans are saying, "Oh, you should, should be coming on earlier," because we're seeing that. I mean, that last ten minutes yesterday, we really did rally and we really did start getting the ball into the box and put them under pressure. I don't know if Rochdale, you know, naturally was starting to sit deeper because they had this, this yeah. three points to hang on to, but we certainly started to assert ourselves as we closed the game. Out. M- much, much better, yeah. And I think with we've got to remember first of all that Addy is still extremely young. Holmes is obviously right at the other end of his career and gets battered most games he got rattled a couple of times yesterday as well so in those two we can't be having them necessarily playing 90 minutes week in week out through no fault of their own so the fact that we've got this exciting loanee who the club that have sent him out on loan their fans were gutted to lose him who's performed well every time he's come on for me it's a no-brainer that he at least gets one or two times to, to start a game and show what he can do but as you say, we don't see him in training. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but from what I've seen on the pitch, there's absolutely no excuse for not giving him a go and see what he can do. And if he doesn't take his chance, then Slade's well within his right to revert back to what he wants to do. But something needs to change at the moment because we've got the likes of Lutman and Holmes playing at the moment and, and it's not working. Uh, full-time whistle goes, and obviously there's quite there's a despondency amongst the fans. Yeah. Uh, again, booze. Uh, you can you completely understand that when when we're getting these sort of results in League One, um, you, you can see it in the players as well. They so say you said you saw Jackson coming off looking pretty disheartened. Yeah, Jack, it was yeah really almost tough to watch because Jackson's one of those captains who, you know, since since he's been here, he will always be one of the last players off the pitch. He'll always applaud the the covered end, and you know he understands what it means to be a Charlton fan and how important the this football club is to a lot of fans and. You know, he still did applaud, but it was very brief. He was he was clearly absolutely gutted, and as you say, I completely understand why people are booing because this is not what we expected. And every game where we've struggled recently, you know, we've said, well, at least we've got this game coming up. At least we've got this game coming up. We can react in this one. We can, you know, we can change things around in this one. And every game comes and goes, and we haven't improved, and we haven't managed to put the past behind us. And now we've got a two week break until Coventry, apart from this this cup game, and. That's either two weeks where Slade can really knuckle down and, and improve things, or it's two weeks that we're going to be sitting on the back of a defeat. And that Coventry game now, you know, every game that goes by, it becomes bigger and bigger because we need to turn things around quickly. At the moment, we're still comfortably, we could still finish in the top six in terms of points. You know, we're only four or five points off it, I think. But 
but the results don't look like turning at the moment. Yeah, realistically, we're 19, so if, if we're exactly. 18, so if we turn it, there's still yeah. what 12 teams above us who, who, who would have who would only have to win yeah. win fewer games. And realistically, us. we're only a point or two, I assume, off relegation because yeah. we're down there. So, you know, if we lose a couple more, there's nothing to say we don't suddenly feel like we're getting swept well, into a relegation squad. Well, if you if you look at the table now, we are. We're only outside of the relegation zone on goal difference. There you go. And we're not playing next week. We're not playing next yeah. Saturday. So we, we could, by the time the next time we play, we could conceivably, quite easily, or probably likely to be yeah. in the relegation zone. Which is is insane, even at this early stage in the season. And that's no discredit to any of the sides in this division. That you know We've come up against some, some OK sides. Um, but we we need to be doing better than this. We, we have to be. And... Uh, We've got the players that should be able to do it. We've got a manager that we thought should be able to do it. So that's where I'm struggling. I don't, I don't know what the answer is anymore. And you know, is this really what the season's going to be like? Are we really in a relegation scrap for the whole season, or is this still a blip? And are we going to be able to turn it around? And at the moment, I assumed up until before the Oldham game, after Oxford, I assumed we were still going to be able to turn it around. And now, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking. Maybe we're not. Maybe this is just what our side has become, and and that's obviously a real concern. Well, we've how how similar has this start of the season been to the last start of the season? When you think about it, like yeah. started off first four games. You know, obviously we did we didn't start off with a defeat last season. We started off with a, a couple, QPR, couple of home wins, couple of away draws. You know, take out that defeat to Bray. That's similar a similar record to what we've had this yeah. season. We're one two and then had a few draws. And now this is this is around the time last season when it started to turn. I think I, I remember the defeat against Preston at the Valley, a defeat against Brentford, which was the end of Guy Luzon's reign. Yeah, yeah. The, the, there are some stark similarities to last season, which is quite worrying. Yeah, because we're an entire division lower now. And um, yeah, as I say, we've got to change it around quickly. But as I say, I don't know where we go from there. If if Catrian or Roland or whoever sits down and says, look, this isn't working at the moment, we need to change it. Is Slade the answer? If Slade does go, who do we get in? We can't get any players in now because the uh, the loan window doesn't work like that anymore. So there's nothing we can do in terms of personnel unless we can still get free agents until January. So this is the squad we've got. I think the squad is still far too thin, and I think that's something that it's you know we've argued about that every single season since since Roland's been here. But yeah, I, as I say, I'm struggling to see what the answer is and. It's a case of these players taking some responsibility and going into that Coventry game and really dominating because again they're another team that are, you know, particularly off the scenes, really struggling at the moment. And we've got to make sure that we can we can get get something from that game and change it around because what's happened has happened. Now there's nothing we can do about it, and we've just got to look forward and change things. But it, it's got to happen fast because, as you say, it's a it's a worryingly similar start to last year. Well, plenty of tweets and emails have come into uh, studio at chartonlive.co.uk. If you want to email us, you can tweet us. At Charlton Life, you can leave a uh, comment on the Charlton Life forum. There's a thread for tonight's show. Uh, I want to know what you made of yesterday's game. I want to know what you make of Russell Slade. Um, you know, I, I know he's been booed off the last two home games now, like quite roundly booed off by by sections of the crowd. And I just, yeah. just want to know what what you guys out there have made have made of Russell's uh, begin the, the beginning to his tenure here at the Valley. I mean, Tom, Tom, how, how would you sum him up so far? Uh, in terms of his how he's performed, not good enough. Um, in terms of him, uh, I was pleased when we appointed him. Um, I think that he could be a very good manager for us. I think he needs to learn quickly that we can't be playing as defensively as we are. I think he needs to be prepared to gamble a lot more often. Um, and I think if he does those things and picks up a few results, I think this could still be a very good season for us. If he doesn't change things, then 
we're looking like a mildly defensive mid to lower table league one side and that, and that's my concern but you know if we go back to the summer when he was appointed I think a, a lot of us and not all of us were pleased in terms of the signings he's brought in on the whole I think we were pleased um, and for one reason or another it's just not working at the moment but I it's not just luck that something isn't right whether that comes back to the regime which I know certain people will look to straight away whether that's down to his tactics, which is certainly where I'm focusing a lot of the issues at the moment, whether it's down to the the lack of squad depth, whether it's down to the players just not taking responsibility. So there's a number of different reasons, but yeah, certainly his start hasn't been good enough. Bob Liscombe says, Russell has to be the right person, otherwise your mate Tom Dryzen will get the job. <laughs> right, keep your tweets and emails coming. We've got plenty of tweets to read out after this quick break here on Charlton Live. Lovely ball into the part of Goodmanson. Can he take his man on? He does. He's trying to be pulled back, but he's in the area. The ball across the Benigaine. And there's a goal. Joe have the lead again. Super work. Firstly from Henderson to roll it out to Cousins, who did a pinpoint pass into the part of Goodmanson. And instead of Goodmanson going on his own, a slide ball ball across the penalty area. Picked out Benigaine, who buried his chance. And Charlton a 2-1 up. Didn't mean to do that jingle there. <laughs> it's meant to be the maritime jingle. It's like we, it's like we come back and start it again. Uh, right, so we've had plenty of uh, tweets and emails. Reaction uh, to yesterday's game. Started with a couple that, that, that come in earlier from James uh, Moynard. I hope that's correct. Uh, McGuinness up top on his own doesn't work, in my opinion. Crofts and JJ shouldn't play together. JJ drifting out to the left is a waste. Deserved a point yesterday not good enough in the final third looking like a mid-table side at best I mean that's something that's been talked about a lot is the partnerships in midfield um, mm. Cross and, and JJ in the middle I mean I'm not, I'm not against JJ in the middle but I, you know with Overstad in there as well I mean do, do you think we, we, we're clearly not finding the right balance in the midfield at the moment no we're not um, I said it I think on one of the Sunday shows a while ago that my front six if you like would be uh, either Lookman or Holmes one side Olverstad and Jackson in the middle um, and Bataka on the other side with a Jose and Novak or a Jose and McGuinness up front um, and I would play that 4-4-2 but you know, Slade likes Crofts we've seen that, he seems determined to play him I think Crofts does have something to offer but you can't play him and Jackson in the same game uh, for me um, and I think you know, with Jackson getting older now and getting to the latter stages of his career there's absolutely no harm in swapping them one for the other because they are quite like for like and when you throw Foley in that mix as well obviously he had to uh, play it right back for Solly yesterday but when you throw those three in they're almost identical players and I think as I say whilst the skip is getting towards the end of his career now he's that one particularly when we're on a bad run of form that is going to bring that character to that midfield that we need and at, at the moment I don't think Olverstad's a world beater by any means but at the moment he's the one that can play in that middle that can pick a pass and and get the ball out wide to the more attacking players. So, yeah, it's really difficult. If he's determined to play cross, then I think maybe he has to rest the skipper and play cross and Olverstab because, as I say, I don't think really that having both of them together, it's almost like a waste of a place. 
Christopher Sloman says simply that yesterday was embarrassing. Jason Fay says two wingers, two strikers. Midfield is short of quality. We are screwed under Ronan. So he wants he wants to see that four four two with two attacking wingers. Mm. Which I think I think you know, when we when we reverted to that yesterday, we looked like we looked threatening more more so than we had done throughout the rest of the game. Really for me. Yeah, yeah, we looked much better, and I think um, yeah, that's that's the way we need we need to play at home. As I say, I. To, to a certain extent, that four-five-one turning to four-four-three certainly on paper that makes sense. But yesterday, tactically, we didn't play it well enough, and uh, the three players that were playing in that central midfield were too similar and are not able to really dominate the middle and support McGuinness enough. I think the wide players were doing that, but the problem is that for them to support, they obviously have to come in, and then all our play has to go through the middle. So uh, Lewis and Terry, I think, have both said that we're maybe missing that box-to-box midfielder. And if you had someone like a Jordan Cousins or someone who can get up and support the striker, that four-five-one works. But if we haven't got that, then I, I honestly, I just don't understand why we're not utilising our wide players more. Because those three, the Holmes, Bataka, and, and Lookman, lend themselves much more to a four-four-two. Mark Whiffin tweeted in earlier saying, "Why not put Holmes in the central midfield? He reckons he could he could play there. You can see him filling that position. He runs box to box with the ball. He, you know, questions about his tackling. He's not afraid to track back, which he's done a lot. But I don't yeah. know, he got beaten way too easily for the for the goal yesterday in terms of tracking mm. back. My my worry would be that he wouldn't get that same space in the middle to be able to turn and run. I know that the goal against Oldham that space did appear for him, but I don't think that's going to happen game after game. I think out on the wing where he can get." get a bit more sort of green under his boots I think there's more space for him there to work with and and he likes to cut inside I think if he's inside already I'm not sure exactly how how uh, effective that that direct running is going to be but it, it might be an option because as I say the midfield that Slade's choosing to pick at the moment for me isn't isn't really working say so FC Trev on the Charlton Life forum if you want to comment on there head over to Charlton Life there's a thread for tonight's show he says uh, how many games do you think Slade has I think he needs to go on a winning, a winning run from the Coventry game onwards to keep his job if we lose against Coventry I, th- I think he might get turfed out no idea who could replace him though I mean <laughs> two questions there for starters I mean so, someone pointed out yes I think I, it was October when Guy Luzon got sacked last yeah. year it was uh, I think it was towards the end of October and if, if results haven't turned around within that time it, it's, we, we're, we're not Charlton anymore we know that fully well because yeah. we're about three months into a season and we're questioning whether the manager's going to get the heave ho from the owner because yeah. that, that's not that's not the club we've ever been during my my time up until the last three years where, yeah. where we go through managers uh, you know quicker than quicker than I normally go through Domino's pizzas like it's it's it's, it's um that that question mark is gonna ha- is it gonna happen though if if we don't say say obviously we've got this week off now if say we don't beat Coventry and we're stuck in that relegation zone with Coventry mm. um, questions are gonna be asked aren't they I think the pressure's on him every game now yeah hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. 
I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I think uh, whether it's performance, whether it's results, whatever it is, I think that that pressure is on him every time we don't get a win at the moment. And I think... um, you know, if, I'm sure we're going to go to your to your Dryzen interview later, but the the theory it seems to be that Roland has is when you go in the relegation zone, you're immediately in trouble. And obviously, when we go back to Powell's era with all those games that we had left and the atmosphere around the club in terms of having Powell in charge, all of that actually is very beneficial. But but Roland doesn't see that. He sees Chartner in the relegation zone and immediately thinks, therefore, we need to change. If it was me, I would be just giving telling Slade look you've got this season you do what you can you you know there may be things that I would suggest that he he works on but you know it's his team to run and he needs that confidence but as you say this is this isn't Charlton really anymore apart from in name and I think every game that goes by where he doesn't get a win that pressure's getting higher and higher Ashley Peters says she's got Charlton live on the iPad and the darts on the telly uh, what a great way to spend a, uh, spend a Sunday evening. Where's she got the Ryder Cup then? I was going to yeah, say, yeah, the Ryder the Cup? Ryder Cup? It was Ryder Cup vets be on the PC, I guess. Uh, Pete Subradic says, what annoys me is that uh, is that the season may well may as well be over now. How can we expect promotion? I mean, I was, I was thinking this earlier. I was thinking, sort of thinking this yesterday, I think, on the way back for the game. It's like, surely it's too early to write everything off. But this, the, the way it feels like at the moment, you can't see it turning around, can you? But is it too early to write us off? Uh, for me, it can't be because... If it is, then we might as well all stop now. But it, it's starting to look that way. The, the way we're, we don't look, look, we're not playing like a team that's going to finish in the top top two, even the top six places at the moment. We're not creative enough. We're not we're not scoring enough goals. We're just yeah, we're we're not. We're a, at the moment we're a, a bang average League One team. And my only thing is that the players at the moment are on the lower end of their performance levels and at some point that is going to turn and we're going to start to work our way up the table. I can't accept that this is what it's going to be for the season but at the same time I suppose that there's nothing to suggest at the moment that there is going to change so logically I suppose technically you could easily say well I can't see us making playoffs and you can look at it both ways. I tend to be a fairly optimistic fan um, but those that aren't, I completely appreciate why they might say, do you know what, I think this is how the season's going to run its course. Will Bodden said he's stuck on a megabus home from the Charlton game and he can't, and he's just can't, just discovered he can't listen to us because his uh, Windows phone is worse than Thomas Dryzen, which is a real <laughs> shame. Uh, Daniel says, a mid-table team, have you seen the late the league table? How long do we give Slade getting it wrong most games too loyal to Cross? I mean, uh, people people picked out uh, the likes of Foley and Cross. I mean, do, do you think... They're earning their place in the side at the moment. I don't know. I don't know whether they're necessarily earning it. I think Crofts is a good player and and has his qualities. Um, it's the fact that when Crofts and Foley, or Crofts and Jackson, or Jackson and Foley are both in the middle together, our midfield just looks a bit weak, and it's, it's easy to be rolled over. And that and that's the problem. I think. Crofts has his qualities. I think Crofts, we could utilise him, but I don't think in the, the setup that we've got at the moment it's working. I don't think there's many players covering themselves in glory, if we're honest. And I think the other thing is, who who do we put in there instead? It's not like we've got a huge amount of people on the bench to choose from. We've obviously got Cashy still out injured, and there's 
nothing on him. So do you take a chance on someone from the youth team? Or do you just go with Olverstad and one of them, which is, like I say, what I'd like to do. You know, that's for Slade, it seems that's quite a bold decision. So I don't necessarily think it's a case of them earning their places. I think Foley having to play right back, he did okay yesterday. Obviously, he's no Solly. But, um, you know, the, these are the sort of players we wanted. We wanted people with experience of the league. And and for me, they have more to offer than they're showing at the moment. And, that, and that's what's frustrating. The question comes back, I guess, to whether the squad was built up to the extent that we wanted it to be as well at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. I know, do, do you remember like we were looking for that, that midfielder player? Yeah. Towards the end, I think Louis Thompson was mentioned from Norwich yeah. on loan. He didn't come in the end. We got Olverstad in. So I'm guessing that's probably like for like. I can't imagine Olverstad would have come in if it wasn't yeah. if it wasn't for Thompson not coming. But you know, the, the, the question always comes back to, as it has done for the last few years, is whether the squad's big enough or capable enough. You know, in, in the interview with Thomas Dryson, he, he uh, the, the second part which came out on the South London Press website today, he said that he was confident the squad was big enough to deal with suspensions, injuries, loss of form. You know, we're seeing that now in suspensions, well, in, you know, loss of form in particular, and not really having that many changes being able to be made. I don't think it is. No, I think. Centre back, I think we're fine because um, we've had injuries and suspensions there, and I think that's okay. Um, I think full back, obviously, as I say, I think Foley did okay, but we haven't really got got depth there. Um, in terms of wide players, again, we're not blessed, but we're okay because the three we've got are all right. So if there's one injury, obviously the other two can play. But aside from that, it's not brilliant. I think I'd like another one there up front. Again, I think we're all right. I think Novak, a Jose, and uh, McGuinness are all fine and I think in that position we probably could if needed to utilise someone from our youth team we've seen Hanlon come on a couple of times uh, Hearn Grant I assume is still around as well I don't want to throw them in but I think they're there as backup if needed but that, as I say it is that midfield it does look weak we've obviously lost in particular Cousins from that midfield I think ever since this ownership came in that midfield has got weaker and weaker and weaker as the seasons have gone on and I think we've never improved on the signings we've made I I think you could argue that they've they've been worse than the people we've had in before I can't think of anyone specifically who's come in and been better and I think that's if you look that's the part of the pitch where we're being overrun each time um, as you say Holmes does his fair bit of tracking back and we know Lookman does and I think Solly and Fox, for all his critics, are, are okay at this level. So it's, it is that midfield that's lacking depth and lacking different options because the the depth that we do have are, are pretty similar players. Freddie Saunders says, We have the players, it slays tactical ineptness tactically and strategically. We have the men, but clearly not the coach. And then he goes on to suggest that isn't Nigel Adkins free? Can KM go and charm him into joining us? We have the men, we just need a better manager. I'm not saying I'm a massive fan of Nigel Atkins mm. by any, by any uh, stretch of the imagination. Lewis Wheeler's got sent a few tweets in. says, Slade is 55. He's not going to change his mindset. He's going to stick with what has got him by in his managerial career so far. He will forever be negative and cautious. That's why he has to go. It's embarrassing the state of football that we're playing. Jackson needs to call it a day. Same old, same old. Slow, can't even run around the pitch. Does absolutely nothing at left midfield or central midfield. Too many blinkered views. Does anyone actually talk about what Jackson does on the pitch instead of off of it all the time? I mean, no, no one's going to try and pretend that Jackson had a good game yesterday, are yeah. It was. Uh, he, he certainly struggled uh, during that one. He finally adds, uh, we've had a good enough 18 to beat Rochdale, Oldham, AFC, Wimbledon and Oxford. Squad size is a pure excuse. It's Slade's fault. So uh, there you go. He's saying, but 
even if you say that, you could you still say like when when players aren't playing well, is is were there those changes you can make in central midfield that's going to make a difference? Really, are there no. too many similar bodies in there? Like I say, at the moment there isn't really. But the other thing I think it's probably important to note is, I w- it's not just one of these things. You know the the atmosphere around the club in terms of what the regime have done to this club over the last few years plays its part. The negativity around the stadium certainly when we go a goal down plays its part the players not stepping up and taking responsibility plays its part Slade's tactics do as well so all of these things are coming together to to make this a very difficult place to play football and and that's why those results aren't coming and it it takes results and it takes wins to turn all well I don't know how we're going to turn that regime around other than them leaving but the other parts of that can be turned. You know, if Slade gets his tactics right or if a player just scores a goal and we win 1-0 and the fans start to get on side, all of those things can work together. But for a team that's down on luck, for a fan base that's just had the wing kicked out of them over the last three years and are on the verge of giving up, you know, it's it's such a difficult place to support football. It's a difficult place to play football. It's just, it's just not a good atmosphere at the moment. And I don't know, maybe Slade is... I don't know if he's regretting coming in, but the size of the job is obviously huge, and perhaps he underestimated that, or perhaps he's struggling to come to terms with that at the moment. I asked Russell a question yesterday about whether there's, uh, you know, when a team gets promoted, and it's talked about after the Northampton game here at the Valley, they, you know, they're buoyed by what was a great season the season before, even if it was at a level lower. So Northampton, for example, had a great season in League yeah. uh, in League Two, won the league, uh, and they started off. I think they went a certain amount of games unbeaten at the start of this season, and. That's all. They're buoyed by that promotion season. They've got that winning mentality. They're, they're, everyone's feeling great at Northampton. Yeah. Charlton have got relegated. Is there a hangover? I, I asked Russell if there's a hangover, and I, I get the impression that he, he said no. He said he doesn't believe there is. It's just we need hard work and all this. But I, I, I think the reason he's saying that is because he knows there is, but he knows he wants to change that mentality, so he wants to say it's not there. So from his from him managing his squad's point of view, I can understand why he said that. But for me, yeah. I, I do think there is like the, the the negativity that will be within the squad. Obviously, a lot of new players have come in, but they would have come into the fact that you know probably probably even when they first joined, when Russell was still trying to turn things around, the probably the players who were here last season must have been on a downer from last season, and you feel it around the stadium as well that you know we're we're, we're expecting better because we've gone mm. down, but we're not seeing much better, so we're still suffering as fans. The players suffer from a uh, probably low confidence because we have this this hangover. For me, do, do you do you think I'm do you think I'm along the right lines on that one? Absolutely, yeah, I think that's spot on. I think um, we just. Uh, the the worrying thing is that we're just used to it now. We're used to these results, and this hasn't been an easy place to watch football for a long time now. Um, and again, this is I'm with the fans in that. You know, it's not it's not easy for me. It's not easy for them. You know, we come because we we're, we're wedded to this club. You know, we love Charlton for what they are. But as you said earlier, this doesn't really feel like Charlton any anymore. And the the thing that will get us through that is wins and is seeing a successful side at least because we at least we can cling on to that and we're not even getting that at the moment and I just read the the Dreisen interview or the second part of your interview today and that's what one thing that he says there that I probably do agree with is he he was hurt by the relegation and you know Roland will have hurt with that relegation whether he cares about the the club itself and what it means in terms of the fans he won't have wanted to get relegated. That that was not his aim. And so whether it's purely strategic and, you know, completely unemotive, his response to getting relegated, that still has a negative impact on him, you know. Mare, catching uh, Mare, for, for all of her talk of improving her CV and stuff, she didn't want relegation on her CV. 
people like Chris Parks, who are behind the scenes at the club, who have a much more of an affinity with Charlton, he wouldn't have wanted to get relegated, you know? Mm. So it, it is just a difficult thing to go through, however wedded you are to the club. And the fans, for me, feel that most because they're the most, put the most emotional uh, time into the club. And for them, it's been the hardest. But it, it is just a difficult thing to cope with. And mm. even as a new signing, I, I'm sure it must be difficult to come into that. Yeah, in terms of, you're talking about Roland there and Katrine saying, of course, yeah, you assume they didn't want to get relegated. I mean, that, yeah. that, that's fair to say. Um, I, I don't want to get relegated either. I think if I owned a football club, I, I imagine I'd get relegated because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. In this case, you know, it's all well and good saying oh, we, we, we didn't want to get relegated. But if, if, if you're running a club in a certain way, the fact is you're going to get relegated. Mm. If you're trying out these different things that don't work, and then uh, even even what perhaps uh, it, it seemed at times, particularly towards the end of last season, they didn't want before until we got relegated. I don't think I'd ever heard them admit they made a mistake. No, and no. because because they had this this sort of hot headedness and this this uh, uh, steely mind to try and try and pretend that everything's okay. That that's that's part of the reason that they weren't happily admitting to their mistakes early enough. They've they've tried. They, you know, they've, they've said a lot, a lot of it this time around. There's, there's still Thomas Dryzen within the scouting network. They, you know, even even Thomas Dryzen's come out and said, "Oh, we've got rid of certain people." But yeah, you know, there's, there's still people like him within the network, and we're not sure what his credentials are to be a, a football scout. There's, there's, you know, there's, there's still a shortish squad. There's still, you know, if they desperately didn't want to get relegated. And if that wasn't really their big thing, yeah, then they probably could have thrown a few extra quid at the at the, at the league last season, or at least thrown a few extra quid at it this year, and not being. You know, financial fair play and all that comes into uh, interplay. But there's, you know, there's certainly so much more that could have been done uh, to to stop this club getting relegated. Really and and if if they were really particularly serious about trying to find a way out of this, I'm sure there's they they could have done a lot more already. This uh, summer, right? Come on, we're going to have a quick break. Um, we've got plenty of emails to talk about for the rest of the show, and uh, we'll be back in 30 seconds. Dennis is fed in, lovely touch, goes round his player, chips across the box, Jackson, oh yes, what a goal by Johnny Jackson, arriving late in the box, Holmes Dennis with a pinpoint cross, and the skippers give a Charlton the lead. Charlton Live. From the home of time, time, this is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. So welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio, Uh, plenty of you guys get involved in the show this evening, plenty of tweets have come in to at Charlton Live and many emails have come into studio at charltonlive.co.uk. And I think it's about time we hop on to the emails. Chris Dabben, let me just bring my laptop in the room to me so I can read it, is, uh, is the first one, uh, is the first guy to, uh, to pipe up. It says, hello, sailors of the good ship Charlton Live. Luckily, I had to take my daughter to a university visit uh, today uh, and missed yet another desperate defeat. The final whistle has just sounded. I got home now in time to follow most of the game and the popular view was unrepeatable but not very good. Now, we all know the root of the problem is at the top, but given that, but, but, uh, given surely Slade has to take blame too. His tactics, his team selection, the way decent players get worse week by week under his tutelage is shocking. What makes Slade excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, any better than Riga lose on Peter's fry? All hopeless in my view, nothing. Maybe Slade has an advantage that he's been allowed to bring in his own players, a luxury that the other Stooges did not have. Apart from Holmes... And the rest have been pretty uh, crap, by and large. Uh, we know the squad is too small, not Slade's fault, but bringing in Novak, Foley, Crofts, even a Jose so far, really. Why does he never start Botaka, despite us losing every week? There is a reason no decent manager would touch Charlton. We are rotten to the course, and why Slade's joined, he's not uh, decent. Uh, yes, we need stability, but sadly, Slade is not the man 
Uh, trouble is, who is? Uh, we are sinking fast, playing defensive hoofball. Even poor Lookman is suffering now. God knows what he's being taught by the clueless Slade, who he calls the English Carol Fry. A win, uh, a one win in six at home and two wins in 11 games is atrocious. His post-match pressures are monotonous. Monotonous, sorry. And um, uh, I'm, I'm sick of the signs and sight of him. Uh, no excuses. Exit stage left. May as well bring on the Bosnian Serb, Hungarian, non-English speaking broke. Uh, be a laugh. Bring on Kov. Mass demos, disruption. Support the team. Yeah, right. Just demonstrate sod the team. Let's do something to get us to cheer about. Embarrassing. No hope has been shown by Wimbledon, Oldham and Rochdale at League One uh, in, at home. It's not as if they're raising the game. They don't need to. So Chris clearly very disappointed uh, with uh, with the way things are going so far this season. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of that that I agree with as well. Um, as I say, I was happy when Russell got appointed, but I agree with him about his press conferences, especially yesterday. I don't; he doesn't fill me with confidence now. He's not really talking like a man who sounds like he knows the answers. He he comes out and just seem seems all, not happy with things, but just sort of kind of accepting what things are. And he hasn't really similar to to you know we've heard Catrien talk in the past, and I was just looking back over some tweets that the club put out yesterday about her meeting with the fan group and she says things like we know we made mistakes managerially and our aim is to get back in the championship that's the very least of where we feel we should be and that's what fans feel as well but they're not saying how they're going to do it and with Russell you know he just says oh we'll go back to the training ground and we'll work harder you know he doesn't say you know what actually Bataka should have started I got that wrong he just he just says oh we'll go back and you know we need to fix things and it's like well yeah you do but how are you I don't have the confidence that he knows how he's going to do that. And yeah, uh, obviously, I think, I don't know if he, he's hopefully joking there when he talks about the, uh, is it Nabosha Vignovich <laughs> coming in? But the reality is, if Slade goes, it probably is going to be someone like that because, uh, as the the guy who emailed in there said, the, the club is uh, certainly from the outside rotten. And, you know, Curbs, Powell, even people like Adkins, they're not going to look at this club and, and necessarily see it as a, a good opportunity. There'll be there'll be some managers out there who hopefully think I can turn that around, but how many managers have we had now? And that's proven that they haven't been able to do that. Whatever Katrien says about the right decision every time, the truth is we're now staring at the relegation zones of League One and when they took over we were on the cusp of promotion, well, playoff places in the Championship, so... Yeah, Brian Haynes pointed out that this is really depressing show tonight, uh, guys, and he says it's not our fault. It's no, you know, it's just there's, there's very little at the moment that you can pick up on and, and, you, and you grasp it as something as, as a bit promising. You know, we, we look at those one or two players that, that have done well this season, Lookman mm. Holmes, and you know, even they were struggling at times yesterday. And yeah, that's just unfortunate. It is what Charlton is now. It, it is just a really difficult place to watch football, and you know, I don't say that with any pleasure at all. And you know, I love being a part of Charlton Live as well, but it is difficult to come on here and say anything other than what we're saying because, you know, where are you picking out the positives? There were improvements in the play yesterday, we can admit that, but that's not good enough either. At the level we are, if we were in the Championship and we'd just lost to Huddersfield or one of the top teams in the Championship and we were down in 13th, 14th, you'd, we would be coming on here, even if we'd lost it in exactly the same way and we'd be talking completely differently. But we're in League One, we expect results, we expect, given the signings that we've made, that we were going to improve, and, and we haven't done that. 
Robin Lisbon says, Hi guys, last week I emailed in saying we were being deliberately driven into League 2 with Katrine tactically positioned in the FA in preparation for Roland to attempt to move us away from the Valley. You guys just said, I hope not, and trust me, I do understand, we all want to believe, but let me pose a what if that were true. Uh, on that basis, can we please get a serious debate going now and try to raise the profile of this as a serious threat? Or if you like, get, in, get your attendance, our fans arguing uh your audience or your our fans arguing why not uh if we are all complacent as we are right now and fans drift away we'll be playing into roland's hands the sooner fans start to believe this is really roland's plans the stronger we'll be to try and head it off you heard it here first uh be warned that's from robin lisbon so let's let's know what you guys uh think of that do you think that we're being uh d- deliberately driven into league two i think uh robin's been talking about for weeks on this mm. show now he talks about a uh a way that the, perhaps that they they try and drive us down into into a League Two football club that ends up with us having you know very few fans here. Everyone's just given up and gone, and then makes it a lot easier to sell the land at the Valley, which you know some people have suggested is worth up to however much, you know, eighty million pounds or something. You know, I understand that you know, understand the value. The, the land at the Valley is worth a lot of money. Yeah, um, and uh, so he says that perhaps we're being deliberately driven into the ground. Uh, so let us know what you guys uh, how, how you want to react to that. Uh, uh, from, from Robin Elizabeth's email there thanks for your, for your email Robin I hope you're well uh, Paul Griffiths says uh, dear team uh, well after missing the last four home games due to work and family uh, I wish I'd missed today as well it's hard to sum up how bad we were at times and the lack of system we seem to have uh, there appeared to be no plan at times and what was the point of corners that constantly fail to beat the first man at home we must play with two strikers we can't score and two players on the bench who scored a load of goals last year until they scored, we looked comfortable, but not at all threatening. And whilst we look good in the build-up, they have nothing uh, around the box. I hate writing this, as he is a legend. He is such a legend for us. But sadly, I do not think Johnny Jackson is good enough anymore. He just can't uh, match the great standards he set before, especially, of course, in 2012 when we won the league with uh, with 101 points. Sadly, the penalty miss just seemed to sum up his game. Not being able to get to games recently and therefore seeing the games through Terry's always wonderful commentary, I've been surprised by the calls on social media for Slade's head. But after today, I really found myself questioning his decisions in both team selection and also the changes. Firstly, the delay in a first change when everyone else in the ground could see there was only one needed, uh, there was one needed, and then taking Ricky Holmes off for, when, for me, he was the only player likely to make a breakthrough. The Valley crowd's reaction, I felt, summed up how daft this decision was. I'm not sure where we go from here. By the time we play Coventry, we're likely to be in the bottom three and looking at heading to the fourth division for the first time in our history. Sorry, I know this is a negative email. I love Charlton, but since, the first, since my first game in 86 at Selhurst, I'm not sure I've ever, I've ever felt so low about the club. So I think that was for, since the first game at Selhurst. But there we go. Uh, thank you all for your wonderful work. Thanks for your email. Paul Griffiths. Uh, I'll pick up on that because I don't think we've really mentioned it yet. When uh, Holmes was taken off by Botarco mm. in the 81 minutes, there was, mm. there was booing. Um, around the ground and he was asked about it in the main press conference yeah. and I saw that bit in the news shopper yeah, so and they're saying that uh, <laughs> um, the headline said that Slade said it was a bit, a bit disrespectful to crowd booing and I, I, immediately from the headline I thought what was it disrespectful to the manager but then if you actually read the article I think the headline's slightly off but because uh, he meant it was disrespectful to the player coming on so he Russell was implying that the boos <laughs> were aimed at at um, Botarka coming on, which obviously they definitely weren't because people have been calling for Botarka yeah. for ages. I think it was more aimed at the fact that they didn't want Holmes to go off. They were obviously calling for someone else to go off. So yeah. it, was, it was slightly uh, off off answer to that question. You know, do you understand why Russell's uh, reacted that way to, to the booing and the question? The only other way I can think that he's meant it is that just by booing at all when there's a substitution, it doesn't give confidence to the player coming on. But 
for me, I completely agree because I thought Holmes was, as I say, having he wasn't brilliant, but nobody was yesterday. But he was making more of his attacking runs, and he was one of those players that if we were going to score a goal, he was probably going to be a part of it. I think Bataka had to come on, um, and I, as I say, I thought when he came on, he also did did his best and made a couple of good runs. But why not have them both on? Why not? You know, we're one nil down in a game where we're on a poor run of form. If they go down the other end and get a second, it's no worse. So why not have Holmes, Lutman and Bataka and a Jose and Novak on the pitch at the same time and give it a go? So, yeah, I, I don't know if he's just trying to deflect it away or, you know, kind of bat the question away or what. But um, that's clearly not why people were booing was McGuinness, uh, sorry, Bataka coming on. But one of the other things, just to him, uh, the person who emailed in there just talking about Jackson, if we are looking at potentially Slade going, I wonder, and we called potentially for it last year whether Jackson behind the scenes or on the bench or having some sort of impact in a non-playing role what difference that would make because as he says and as I think we would all hopefully agree what he's given to this club has been huge and what he still gives to the club in terms of his character and his dedication to us and what Charlton means to him is still big and Mm. if he can't have an impact in the middle of the pitch which you know I think even he would admit he can't necessarily week in week out for 90 minutes then perhaps he still can have some sort of influence, you know, tactically on the side of the pitch. But uh, I don't know what people think about that. Yeah. But that might be an option. Cause... I, I, I'd never, I'd never suggest putting him in as, as head coach or like a manager. No, at the moment no, not at all. He, but... He's got, he's got. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure he's been doing his badges, but he's got, he's got to get that experience. Like Chris yeah. Powell had number two at, to Pearson at Leicester. You know, people go out there and, and they learn their trade yeah. before they, they want to do that. But yeah, if if he could do that here, and could he be... work under Slade maybe and just you know give Slade some pointers? Uh, you know, is Slade going to be happy to accept that sort of advice from somebody like that? You know, maybe not. Maybe his his ego sounds like I'm being negative here, but maybe because he's got so much experience in the game, he's not prepared to take that. But you know, we forget Jackson knows this club very well and he he understands what the fans want, and perhaps he could just perhaps work with him and get that experience under him I don't know whether he'd maybe need to go somewhere else and do it but I think he's still such a massive person at this club and I think without him just around the club at all we're going to look more and more rudderless I agree that he can't play every game and you know his influence is nowhere near what it was three or four years ago but he can still be a big part of this club I think uh, I tweeted out earlier asking what fans have made of uh, Russell Slade's tenure so far Um Pedro Rock, so we've already done that. So now EJ Garner says he's great. He's great off the pitch. He's rebuilt some bridge, uh, some bridges between the club and the fans. But on the pitch, he's far too negative, and he's not a winner. Uh, James adds. He's, uh, James also said he's too negative. Should be going out to win games, not trying to set up, not to lose. Gumbo says poor. Maybe partly down to squad size, but four five one is something Bob Peters was uh, was doing two years ago. Uh, and uh, Paul Mogg says, uh, haven't uh, actually seen us play boycotting etc. But I'm guessing he's been lied to. After taking the jobs, which is a interesting point there from uh, uh, from Mog. There, uh, Ashley Peters says, uh, coming back to Robin Lisbon's email about whether the club are being run down in an uh, excuse to try and move the uh, the the club away from the valley. She says, imagine if that was their plan. as a scary, scary thought. London Geezer says, let's face it, Slade has been a disaster. No excuses. He is not up to the job. He has to go now. Brian Haynes says, Jacko could take the role that uh, Andrew Hughes, Andrew Tendog used to have, occasional mm. player, permanent and influential presence on the bench. And that's a sort, of, sort of, I guess, what you were trying to suggest there. Then. Yeah, so, uh, I think so. As I say, I don't uh, certainly don't want him a, a head coach under under these these owners because I don't think that's fair on him either. And I probably don't don't think he'd be able to do it just because he hasn't got that experience. But yeah, he can 
he's still got a big influence around the club. You see when he goes off and he's substituted, you know, you see still what it means to him. And as I say, whenever the game then finishes, he's back on the pitch and he's around applauding all, all three home sides of the ground. You know, he understands what it means to play for Charlton and we don't have many players like that left anymore. So uh, it's just an idea, perhaps, if, you know, if Slade's going to persist with Crofts, then maybe it's Jackson that takes a back step in terms of a playing role and does something more off the side of the pitch. But yeah, I agree. He, he certainly could have that sort of influence. VFF on the Channel Life Forum says there's a lack of creativity and energy in central midfield. There was poor recruitment in pre-season uh, and, a, and a poor pre-season. If you add uh, into Slade's poor team setup and strategy, Charlton are going to struggle. If the centre midfield's weakness is not addressed in the January transfer window, Charlton will be looking over their shoulders towards the relegation places and not the top six. There are a lot of matches until the January transfer window. Slade needs to try a different setup. Academy players to manage the weaknesses much better than he has. It's not just Slade, but the off-the-field setup and poor recruitment. Slade may not be very good, uh, very good but the squad is not sufficient, particularly in the central, uh, the centre of midfield. Uh, Martin Skipper emails in says, Hi, Louis and Tom. My thoughts on yesterday's match are as follows. Not sure it was a match, really. Was it a training match? Uh, and then he says it's pointless doing the football for a fiver it actually deters fans from wanting to start attending matches on a regular basis I think it would be more exciting watching paint dry than that rubbish yesterday hmm. it's interesting of course the uh, I haven't even mentioned yet because no. it, it seemed not, it seemed fairly not, irrelevant yeah it? irrelevant that yesterday was actually football for a fiver now we saw a, an announced crowd of 14,000 and something which is uh, quite comfortably the lowest football for a fiver attendance we've uh, we've ever had since since that was brought back in what five years ago maybe mm. Um I mean, I mean that that says it all, really, doesn't it? But also, I mean, I remember the first time we did football for a five, which I think was when we were sort of mid-table in League One. Yeah, Powell's first season. I think we ended up losing three-one to Exeter, thinking, "Oh dear, all those fans." Which then was probably a plus twenty thousand crowd that came in. I think I bought four or five yeah. people that day. Yeah, I, I used to bring mates as well. Yeah. yeah, and then we get done over by Exeter by three goals to one. You think, "Oh, they're not going to come back now." You imagine anyone within the local area. There's, in fact, there's a lady at work who who, who lives in Charlton. She must live no no further than five hundred yards from where we're sat now. Uh, she's an Arsenal. Like her family are Arsenal fans, but um, she 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 always says to me, "I love. I, I like to support my local team when it's football for a five. And I mean, that's the sort of thing. That's the sort of uh, relationship the club try to garner from the local yeah. community, and, and that's great. You know, I, I love. You know, especially when when we were doing well, I loved the fact that she'd come to speak to me once every season or once a six months. Yeah. So I was down Charlton the other day. You know, I, I, but but that's just not the case now. I, I, she she came up to me during the week, said, "Oh, it's, it's football for a fiver this weekend." Yeah, we're not bothering. We've heard it's not great, and and that that's how it turned out. And anyone who did come, not hearing about how bad it's been, they won't be coming back, will they? No, that's and that's the problem. And like you say, the crowd the crowd was up yesterday, but but barely. And you know, when we can't even uh, you know get over fifteen, sixteen thousand for when tickets are five pound, you you know you're in trouble and. Again, that you would think that that's something that, that the ownership are looking at and going, there's got to be something, there's got to be a trigger where they go, hey, maybe this isn't working, but they don't seem to. Everything that happens, you know, from a football fan's point of view, is awful. And we're just sliding down the leagues at the moment and we're, we seem to be in freefall, but nothing seems to change their point of view and they seem so so stubborn and blinkered by it that it won't change. And Yeah, as I say, it, it almost seems irrelevant mentioning it yesterday. As I say, going into the ground, I... There were a few people around me. I think there were three or four kids with with a couple of parents who were... Uh, I think one of them said he was an Arsenal fan and the other was a West Ham fan, but they'd come because it was football for a fiver. So there were extra people, but but, but barely. There wasn't... It wasn't like it used to be. I mean, the, the, these sort of promotions do attract people. I remember yeah. I, went, I went to... Uh... 
Brentford versus Shrewsbury a few years ago because it was it was like it was name your price and so right. are we going for a quiz? I was like, yeah, well, you go, you go to that sort of thing, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to come back yeah. though. Well, yes, sure. and there was there was no fans like normally like we've. T- Years ago, years ago, we like fans would hand out, hand, go to the train station and hand out flyers. Why? Because the Charlton fans want more people to come down and watch Charlton. We do the trending attempts on Twitter where, yeah. you know, pe- people like us would spend all, all evening trying to come up with some funny things and get the, get the thing trending, get it talking about Charlton. And, you know, it sounded like a broken record now. But, and succeeding yeah, as well. Yeah, sounding like a broken record because we have to say this every week, but we know there's no, there's no relationship like that between the club and the fans at the moment. Alex Hall. Says, dear Charlton Live, I want to thank you for uh, for the podcast. He enjoys listening every week. Thanks for that, uh, Alex. <laughs> uh, on, especially on nights like tonight, it's nice to hear something like that because it, re- it really yeah. is quite demoralising after to drive all the way over to the Valley and, and to talk about what, we, what we're seeing at the Valley at the moment. He says, I really want Russell Slade to succeed in the job. But recently I have to question if he's the man for the job. Has he ever won promotion? I don't think he has. He hasn't. He, uh, he seems more suited to con- uh, consolidating teams in mid-table and grinding out draws rather than a promotion push. Losing to Rochdale at home is completely unacceptable. And are we slipping closer to the relegation zone? Well, we are. Like I said, that, that, like I said there's every chance. And I'd say pro- it's probably mm. probable that we'll be in the relegation zone by the, next, by the time we next play in the league. Right, Mark Newbury says that he's frustrated, uh, I'm sure in many ways, but it's particularly about the football. He says, I think Slade is using a bit of smoke to disguise how bad we were yesterday, saying about booing his decision to take Holmes off as disrespectful uh, to Weetabigs. And, am I missing something there? And uh, 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 was missing the point. Uh, take off the defender, go free at the back, and keep all our attacking threats on or dump a midfielder with the same result. If anyone can tell me the formation that we were playing yesterday in the first half, I would be grateful. Everyone apart from Rudd uh, seemed to be in a state of confusion as to where they should be. At one time, Lookman was at left back, Fox left wing, and Jacko centre forward. It was as if it was done as a tactic to confuse the opposition. It didn't work. It was if uh, if it was done to confuse the home crowd. It did. I had a, a new family sitting behind me taking advantage of the £5 tickets, but I can't see them coming back, and it's embarrassing to hear a crowd singing about putting two up front. Now, I didn't hear this because I had my headphones on, but were, were fans actually singing two up front? Because I've seen yeah. someone else. So first they were singing play four four two, play four four two, and then it was play two up front, play two up front. Mm. And then I think they even sung this, this doesn't work or something like that as well. So... <laughs> Yeah, uh, very unhappy about the the formation. I, w- I do wish sometimes in my day job, I wish if if something wasn't quite going right, if people could sing to me what to do, <laughs> it would be a, be a great yeah. hand. Yeah, carry turn it, the turn one, it off and turn it on. Carry the one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> putting two up front as instructions to the manager. If the manager can't see that applying more pressure to the away team would be better than he can go setting us up not to lose is different from setting us to win. Go four four two. Two hard working midfielders, two wingers, putting crosses, and a couple of strikers is better than the odds. Four one two two one. We are playing. So I think it was four one four one officially, but with a lot of like you, you say it was four five one with potential four three three. Yeah, but it, it, as as a lot of fans pointed out, that four three three it just didn't it didn't happen enough. If that was the formation, but yeah, those wingers just weren't getting far far enough ahead. And then, as I say, when we did go four four two, it looked like people were a bit confused with that as well. And Jose was dropping so deep to pick up the ball sometimes and. That's not what we need, you know. We want him in in the box, you know, around that six yard box, waiting. And uh, again, we just didn't utilise that either when he came on. Uh, Mark continues. I dropped cross. He seems to be colour blind, unable to find a red shirt. And he's called him Weetabix again. So Jordan Botarka is. A, I don't know why he's calling him Weetabix. You have to let me know, Mark. Give me a tweet. Uh, he says on the wing with Holmes the other side, and put the onus on their defenders and push them back. I've not seen better players than we have, but I'm seeing better teams, better organised. And harder working. Cheers, he says. Midweek crowd less than five hundred. Where's well, the cruel EFL Cup game? It's going to be my first miss of the season. I'm not. Uh, I'm not turning up. 
Uh, are you coming on Tuesday? Oh, only because film? I think I'm commentating. Oh, I, d- right, I didn't yeah. come to the last one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, I, I certainly wouldn't have, wouldn't have paid to come. Yeah, Tom, Tom Sperling says, if Slade says that was 4-3-3, three, three, things are worse than we thought. <laughs> it was obviously a 4-5-1 with a massive gap between the midfield and McGuinness. Don't like to say it, but playing Jackson and Crofts is uh, like starting with nine men. Hoofball up to a striker who's all on his own. It's Sunday league stuff, but this nightmare won't last forever. Come on. Charlton, uh, we've been saying this nightmare won't last forever for forever now. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, it will come to an end soon. We're fire, we're plowing through your email, so we've got about ten minutes left here on Charlton Live. Uh, just cut under, no, uh, Lewis Wheeler said he thought he was interesting. Holmes went off and ignored Slade, and at the end, the players let Slade walk down the tunnel on his own. Again, I, I have to admit, I didn't really notice that because I have to concentrate on what I'm doing. But did did you see that sort of thing? What was that? The, apparently Slade had to walk down the tunnel on his own without players surrounding him? Uh, I think he had one of his members of staff with him. But mm. um, yeah, I think, again, like Jackson, rather than go out onto the pitch, he, he shook hands with the opposition manager who was straight down the touchline. And mm. it was funny because I think, I don't know, I might be wrong, but it looked like fans were booing the, this guy who was walking off in Charlton tracksuit uh, and bald man but that wasn't Slade. And then behind him came Slade, still in his baseball cap, and then they booed again. Ah. Um, but yeah, no, he certainly had no players around him when he went off. Yeah. Uh, Ashley Peters says, the worst thing is that football for a fiver used to work. My first Charlton game was football for a fiver against Stevenage in 2012. Dan says, do you think Slade has lost the dressing room? It looks that way on the pitch. Could be, I suppose. I don't know. But um, yeah, that, that's one theory. The The players can't be happy with with the way things are going obviously whether they blame Slade for that or not I'm not sure but yeah certainly a, certainly a theory Jim Dutton which is Jimmy C's grandson says I was very disappointed to hear Slade's comments about the booing when Botaka came on the booing was clearly aimed at Slade for taking Ricky Holmes off as, being our, as he had been our most effective player on the day and I suspect Slade knew that for those of us taking kids to the match kids who you hope will remain Charlton fans despite all their friends supporting Premier League clubs it was a difficult afternoon if Jimmy Seed's great grandson ends up supporting Chelsea then the game is up (laughs) (laughs) which I guess is fair to say Daniel Bruce says yesterday was summed up perfectly by me uh, for me by the nine year old lad sitting in the row in front of me who after 65 minutes of torture turned to his dad uh, turned to his right and said daddy this is pointless <laughs> much to the amusement of those around him couldn't put it better myself that's from Dan in Walder's Slade uh, yeah, it, did feel, it does feel pointless at times doesn't mm. it? it yeah it did and uh, as you you made reference to earlier I brought my granddad down yesterday and you know we we had a great day it was like you know going to the Valley Calf and making well, a day always of the it, highlight but, of the day the Valley Calf well yesterday yeah it probably <laughs> was but the actual game, you know, when I, I went back to back to my parents this weekend and, you know, I was saying I'd had a nice weekend. They went, well, but but you lost. I said, yeah, but that's just, that's just what happens now. You know, the <laughs> fact that we've lost, that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. I've kind of, I've kind of just become a bit immune to it. And, and that's the worry. There's there's a lot of apathy around and we, we've got to keep fighting for it because, we you know, we need to turn this around. But yeah, I've kind of just got used to the fact that we we lose so many games these days. Mark Wilson says, Russell Slade uh, isn't good enough. He has failed to form a winning combination. It's beginning to sound ridiculous when interviewed post-match. Although it's very early in the season, any club that has just been relegated would be justified in considering replacing him. He doesn't seem to be up to the job and he's failed in everything he's been asked to do, from inspiring the fans uh, t- excuse me, to selecting a winning, confident squad. However, no one else would be good enough in the current scenario, there is no manager available or unavailable who could turn around this sinking ship. The current manager isn't good enough, but the current manager isn't the problem. That's from Mark. Mm. Signed off, hacked off in Seven Oaks. Because um, 
you mentioned sir about whether teams have been I know I read today on on Twitter that apparently um Villa are going to be looking to sack Roberto Di Matteo mm. so it's, it does it's getting to that time now where clubs who've been relegated will start thinking about it. I mean I I don't like to, I don't like to compare ourselves with other clubs because I don't see ourselves as a normal club by any stretch of the yeah. imagination anymore but you know I there's people out there calling for Slade's head. Do I do I personally think that's the right thing to do right now? I don't think it is. I still think we need a little bit longer. I still would despair at think, trying even trying to think about who who would replace him at this mm. time. Um, so for me, that's not the right thing to do. But there's plenty of fans out there who do think it is the right thing to do. I think yeah. The the worrying thing is that for two and a half three years we've called for getting in a British manager. You know when when Luzon got sacked or when Riga got sacked if we'd have seen Slade's name in the odds you know we wouldn't he wouldn't have been our first choice I don't think necessarily but we would have picked him over any of the others that actually came in and the fact that we've now got that and the fact that we've now got those players and it's still not working like uh, the previous emailer said it it comes back to one thing and that's the ownership that's the thing that's not changed and and we're still going downhill so it, you know, Duchatelet came in the other week and had that meeting with Target 20 and from the sound of things there it doesn't sound like he's going to sell anytime soon but I'm starting to run out of other options you know I, I'm i not happy with this regime by any stretch of the imagination but I'm trying I've been trying for the last year or so to, to find other solutions that mean we can work under this ownership but uh, you know the, those options are running out because I don't see what what other things we can do now what other British manager necessarily is going to come in? You know, if they do sack Slade, like a few people have tweeted in, who are we going to get? If Slade stays, are results necessarily going to improve? At the moment, it doesn't look like it. So, you know, it's, we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. I just don't I don't see where this club is going at the moment. And, yeah, it's, it's going to take something massive to turn it around. Uh, Steve Loveday says, get rid of Slade, have coaches, get team to understand how to play different formations and have... Uh, crowd chant formations to play uh, Trevor Lee uh, Maritime Radio DJ says 100% getting better at this football with Ark even understood a bit of the show tonight which is good <laughs> that's good improve yeah, uh, yeah do you fancy being a manager uh, <laughs> Matthias Johnson says hi guys I felt uh, like it was a day wasted for me yesterday apart from seeing uh, myself and Terry Matthias travels all the way down from Sheffield to, to watch a game he brought his mate down as well and I can't remember the lad's name, but he's uh, he wasn't he's not really a football fan. He's definitely not a Champ fan. This guy, we're, uh, he's not going to be anymore. Yeah, because he just come down for the day. He probably hates Matthias now. Can you imagine we're dragging him all the way down there? Because I can't imagine he enjoyed his day. I imagine Matthias struggled to enjoy it anyway. But he says first half was the worst performance I was ever seen at the Valley. Uh, <laughs> it should have been a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, we were non-existent. Uh, Lookman and Holmes was the only player with attacking threats. Croft, McGinnis, Pierce, and Jackson were poor. Plenty of effort. End profit, uh, but no end product. I feel very gutted. It was great seeing you and Terry. One of the few things that was good about yesterday. Give a bit of, a bit of credit to Rochdale. They played well uh, in the first half. Thanks for your, for your email, Matthias. We've got one more from Mark Wilson, who uh, wants to talk about uh, uh, Thomas Dryson. If anyone's been buying the South London Press this week, uh, you would have seen my exclusive interview with Thomas Dryson, the second part of that, of which is now online. Uh, the both parts are online now. So if you click on my Twitter profile, I, I, I linked to it earlier. The London News Online website is the uh, South London Press. Uh, to read that, he says, I wonder if Laptop Larry, a.k.a. Thomas Dryzen, with all these algorithm statistics and analysis, can shed any light on Russell Slade's performance. Slade's teams are seriously underperforming, and Mowgli, which is his nickname, uh, has pumped the numbers via the secret cyberlink on every game. So, what is Dryzen's view? Is Slade doing a statistically brilliant job, or is he producing a weekly diminishing performance? Let's hear 
hear it, Charlton. Did you appoint the wrong manager, or is Modley's computer incapable of telling a pal from a stage? Mark, increasingly frustrated from Seven Oaks. He was hacked off from Seven Oaks now. He's increasingly <laughs> uh, frustrated. Some of that is a good question. You do wonder, like, I didn't actually ask Thomas because I asked him about his relationships with former manager. He talked about Powell and he said, oh, we didn't want to sack him as if, as if he had something to do with that decision. Yeah. Now, I, I debate very much about whether he had anything to do with that decision, but he said that performances were getting worse. So he was obviously running the numbers on these performances and deciding they weren't good enough. Mm. So presumably he's running the numbers on these slate performances. Is he going to print off a, a spreadsheet and, and give it to Ronan and say, time's up? Is he going to do that? Obviously, we don't know. He's too elusive. But it's an interesting point there from Well, Mark, as I say, it seems uh, the, the theory or the, the way it comes across is that all of Roland's decisions are made based on those stats because Powell, you know, the reason he went as far as I can see and the way that Mier uh, and Duchatelet talked after was because we were in the relegation zone. They didn't take in the atmosphere around the club and what Powell brings. They didn't take in the fact that we had all those games in hand or the cup run. So if that's as simple as as how they look at it then those stats that Dryzen does or doesn't send to him are certainly not going to look good from Slade's point of view and he might be in real trouble right we've uh, pretty much run out of time here on Charlton Live Nathan Jones uh, at Luton the former coach here suggested by Lewis Wheeler as, as could be a, an option uh, for our manager and Jimmy C says uh, or James Dunn says ironically the side that ended last season would have easily won promotion from League One with Riga as manager so that's uh, how it was wants us to bring back uh, Lenny Lawrence well there you go I think we're all uh, clutching at straws now aren't we as mm. uh, uh, time uh, has unfortunately uh, beaten us here on Charlton Live uh, Tom thanks for rushing back from uh, Cambridge to uh, be miserable for an hour and a half. You're welcome. Yeah, Thanks, <laughs> I've driven over from Bromley to be miserable for an hour and a half, and we're not doing it now for the for next week because we're off. <laughs> thank uh, God thank that. God for that. Against uh, the Mill <laughs> games being postponed. Don't forget, you can come and watch the addicts here against. Uh, Crawley Town, Alex Stedman's Crawley Town on Tuesday uh, in the EFL Trophy. I'm not bothering with that one. If you want to, it's up to you. Uh, but yeah, so no, no Charlton Live next Thursday or Sunday because of the international break. We'll be back uh, for a big match preview the week before the commentary game. So thanks for listening. Thanks for all your emails and your tweets. You've kept us going this evening as we've uh, uh, discussed a very disappointing day at the Valley and a disappointing start to the season. Uh, coming up next on Maritime Radio in, in about five minutes or so, you're going to have an update from the Nepali community. As we've already said, great bunch of lads because they gave me and Tom a can of Diet Coke each as they're finishing their community like meeting. The for me. Yeah, their community uh, meeting here at the Valley. So uh, stay tuned here on Maritime Radio for that. Thanks for listening. Uh, let's hope we can turn this slump around at some point within the next century. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.